After 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
in the AM. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. It's Thursday on this October 30th, day 6 in the month of Mar Cheshva in the year 5775. Tufshin Ayan Vav. Tufshin Ayan, Tufshin, what did I say? Tufshin Ayan Hay, right. <laughs> I'm already jumping a year ahead. Tufshin Ayan Hay is 5775. 47 degrees, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 60. Clear tonight, low 43. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 58. Yerushalayim is at 77. We're at 47 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Ohad. Had Malchuscha. You heard Malani done by Benny Friedman. Matovu is David Gabe. Aspak Larya with Kuma. Kadosh, a uh, song from Yumi Lowy in Regesh. Modani opening things up as we say good morning. JM and the AM. Well, so many people, I'm sure, especially those who follow the news and have uh, Israel related items in their Facebook news feed and from other sources these days. Uh, I'm sure many people in our audience are aware of the fact that Rabbi Yehuda Glick was uh, the victim of an, I shouldn't say, I should say, I should be careful, was the victim of a shooting, uh, an assassination attempt on his life last night in Yerushalayim. Uh, he, based on the last thing we've read, he remains in serious condition in Israel. We've uh, emailed a few um, people this morning to try to get a more comprehensive update on his medical situation at this time on his status we'll see if we get any uh any responses that give us any more information now the the glick family one of the most uh, prominent families in israel um and, and many people many people in this audience know members of the glick family from the time they lived in the united states uh, from spending time in the Hezder Yeshivot system in Israel, which many of us have the opportunity to do, or had the opportunity to do. Um, you may recall that uh, when Nefesh Benefesh first presented its uh, Bonate Sion prize, one of the prime representatives of that uh, entire uh, ceremony, of that entire um a presentation to the American Jewish community was uh, Dr. Glick, Dr. Shimon Glick, which is uh, who's the father of Yehuda Glick, and uh, he was on the air with us a few times um, uh, during that entire stretch last year when the Bonate Sion Prize became a big uh, piece of news in the Jewish world. And uh, we've had Yitz Glick, who is the uh, Dr. Yitz Glick, who is the brother of Yehuda Glick, on the air as well from the emergency center in Efrat. So there are a lot of associations. And um, again, like I say, a lot of people in the United States um, I remember the Glick family when they were here. And, uh, and of course, um, many people know them from Israel. So the, one of the latest articles we saw Regarding his condition, uh, Rabbi Yehuda Glick remains in very serious condition following an attempted assassination against him Wednesday night outside the Jerusalem Menachem Begin Heritage Center. Yes, that is the Menachem Begin Heritage Center that I would bet thousands of our listeners walked by over the last couple of weeks. Uh, right there in the middle of Yerushalayim. 
The Temple Mount Faithful Organization hosted a conference at that venue. Member of Knesset Moshe Faglin had spoken and left the area at the end of the conference by Glick. Accompanied by Manigut Yehudit Director General Shai Malka walked outside to his car. There was a motorcyclist with his helmet there. Turned Rabbi Yehuda Glick in a thick Arabic accent, made sure of his identity, and then shot him three times at point-blank range. Uh, <clears throat> Rabbi Glick's name is Yehuda Yehoshua ben Rivka Ita Brenda. Again, that's Yehuda Yehoshua ben Rivka Ita Brenda. And uh, obviously everyone is asked to pray on his behalf. Member of Knesset Moshe Faglin, who again was at the event but had left earlier, uh, said the writing was and is still engraved on every possible wall. The flaccidity of the defense forces and Minister of Public Security Aronovich in the face of the constant Arab violence against Jews in Harabayat, coupled with persecution of Jews in the Mount and the prohibition against Jewish prayer there, encourage further violence and have brought about this attempted murder. The most important response to this despicable act is to open Harabaya to Jews and to remove the prohibition against Jewish prayer there. I, meaning Moshe Faglin, will be at Harabayat Thursday morning, the 6th of Mar Cheshvan at 8 a.m. Please join me. <clears throat> now that uh, was about uh, four and a half hours ago, and I'm assuming... Knowing uh, Moshe Faglin and uh, him being a man of his word, that in fact he was there on Harabayat earlier uh, this morning. We pray again for the uh, speedy recovery of Rabbi Yehuda Glick. If we find out more information, we'll pass it along to you here at JM and AM Thursday morning broadcast. A big thank you to our friends at Achiezer. There is um, no greater feeling than to utilize this forum to uh, spread the word about good things that are being done in our community. <clears throat> uh, very often, media sources like to concentrate on the negative things, on the uh, the splits, on the divides, on the controversies, on the um, people who need help, and I don't mean that in a positive way, uh, in our community. Um people who need help who in, engage in, in criminal activity, I mean. Uh, but in this case, we had an opportunity to really focus on and put the spotlight on people who need help and get help from a wonderful organization. So a big shout-out to everybody at Achiezer. Thank you for greeting us there yesterday and for hosting us on Central Avenue out in the Five Towns. It was a, uh, a really nice experience. And two years later, after Superstorm Sandy... I know, I'm sure there are still people, and we uh, saw this on the news last night all over the place, and you could ask Governor Christie about this. I don't know if he'd address it, frankly. Uh, I don't know if he'd address it without getting angry, but there's still a lot of people suffering from the effects of Superstorm Sandy, and thank God our community, and again, there are still people in our community as well who are suffering, but thank God in our community, uh, as usual, people really stepped up and tried to quell the the downward trend of the way people were going uh, in the aftermath of that superstorm and um, really stepped up to help others. We heard a million stories like that yesterday, so many different ways, small and big. So kolakavod to the community and kolakavod to those from Achiezer and all the other organizations that spearheaded those efforts. JM in the AM at 26 minutes before 7 o'clock. It is a Thursday morning broadcast. We'll check in 
with a couple of folks in the world of government or those who are attempting to further their career in the world of government. This is a pre-election day season. So you know what that means. There's always some conversation about different elections going on, especially the ones that might affect our community. So we'll do that. Dr. Borgen's going to join us from Maimonides Medical Center. He is, um, I can only imagine how involved he has been in the Breast Cancer Awareness Month. He is such an important component to the Cancer Center at Maimonides, and um, has he has an update for us. And I'll tell you, I'm reading some of the material. The further along it gets, all this amazing research and the incredible results that doctors are getting, it becomes even more and more specialized and complicated. He'll uh, he'll brief us on some of the latest things that have been going on in that area coming up. We'll check in with our friends at the FIDF. Rabbi, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink, is uh, who was introduced to this audience uh, uh, through a personal appearance to this studio, a few months back, you might recall. He is actually hosting the stun show today between 1 and 2 o'clock um, on our stream at jmnam.org. And he is jumping right in. Talk about Fink or Swim. He is um, jumping right in, Rabbi Elio Fink, uh, on the topic of conversion with some very interesting guests. So that will happen between uh, 1 and 2 o'clock this afternoon. And Michael Fragan, speaking of politics, is opening up the phone lines tonight live in our New York City studio. You'll be able to call up and ask him anything you wish on the topic of uh, politics between 6 and 7 uh, during spin class. So make sure to take advantage of that. A lot of interesting things happening today on our stream. We'll give you more details coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. Thank you. 
In the AM, it's Yankee Lemmer, Chazen Yankee Lemmer, with the Zmiros medley from his CD entitled It Is Shabbos. Naftali Kempa with Emes Malkenu and Shlaimi Kaufman had Vahu, uh, Vahu Rachum, I think it's called, uh, off of the inscribed CD. The Rabbi's Sons with La Yehudim and the Kol Noar Boys Choir with Kulanu Ke'echad. We opened up that set with the O.L. Shirabi and Kuma here at JM 
in the AM. Uh, Thursday morning broadcast on this October 30th, the 6th of Mar Cheshvan. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I was just reading the update, the uh, urgent update sent out by uh, Mani Gutiudit. Um, not much different than what we said earlier. The uh, condition of uh, Rabbi Yehuda Glick continues to be serious. Uh, everyone is encouraged to continue praying for him. And um, as we said earlier, just want to make sure I have it. I have it right. Uh, as we said earlier, his name is Yehuda Yehoshua ben Rivka Ita Brenda. Yehuda Yehoshua ben Rivka Ita Brenda. And of course, your prayers are much appreciated. Uh, coming up at the, um, I, I got this notice just uh, minutes ago. The New Springville Jewish Center out on Staten Island is presenting the Traveling Hasidim this week. This is a group that we again mentioned yesterday when we were out uh, at Achiezer. Uh, I believe we were talking about them being at uh, having just been at the White Shul. And uh, the Traveling Hasidim, in addition to uh, spending Shabbos, and obviously they'll do an Oneg Shabbos tomorrow evening, they have a free concert at the New Springville Jewish Center for the community on Saturday night. So keep that in mind. You are more than invited to attend and enjoy. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, jmdm.org. Galaitzal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Rob Astorino is going to join us. He's running against Governor Cuomo for governor. He'll join us in the 7 o'clock hour. Dr. Morgan from Maimonides Medical Center in the 8 o'clock hour. Our friends from FIDF in the 8 o'clock hour as well. Plenty more coming up at JM in the AM. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 1 p.m. newscast for a Thursday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. גליצה על השעה אחת, כאן שיבל קרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. ראש הממשלה נתניהו כינס הבוקר דיון בלשכתו בעקבות ההתנגשות ביהודה גליק והמתיחות בירושלים. אמרתי לפני ימים אחדים שאנחנו עומדים בפני גל הסתה של גורמים איסלאמיים רדיקליים וגם של ראש הרשות הפלסטינית אבו מאזן. המאבק כאן יהיה מאבק שיכול להיות ארוך. צריכים קודם כל להנמיך את הלהבות, שום צד לא צריך לקחת את החוק לידיים. הקהילה הבינלאומית צריכה להפסיק את הצביעות שלה ולפעול נגד המסיתים, אלה שמנסים לשנות את הסטטוס קוו. אבו מאזן אמר היום באמצעות דוברו שההחלטה הישראלית לסגור את הר הבית הבוקר היא הכרזת מלחמה, כלשונו. כתבנו ג'יקי חוגי מוסר שהמחבל מועתז חיג'אזי ריצה עשר שנות מאסר בכלא הישראלי בגין השתייכות לג'יהאד האיסלאמי. עם שחרורו לפני כשנתיים הוא התראיין לערוץ טלוויזיה פלסטיני. הלוואי שיהיה מזלג תקוע בצווארו של הפרויקט הציוני לייהוד ירושלים, אמר היג'אזי והוסיף, זה הדבר שמשמח אותי ביותר, לחזור לירושלים, לעמי ולמשפחתי. שר החוץ אביגדור ליברמן תוקף בחריפות את החלטת הממשלה בשוודיה להכיר במדינה פלסטינית. זו החלטה אומללה שמחזקת את הגורמים הקיצוניים ואת הסרבנות הפלסטינית. ממשלת שוודיה צריכה להבין שהיחסים במזרח התיכון מורכבים יותר מרהיט להרכבה עצמית של איקאה. כך ליברמן. 
ירידה במחירי הדלק. בלילה שבין שבת לראשון יוזל מחירו של ליטר בנזין 95 אוקטן ב-27 אגורות ויעמוד על 7 שקלים ו-5 אגורות. כך עדכן כתבנו אלדר גילרן. הרב דוד סתיו מותח ביקורת על המתנגדים לחוק הגיור. הוא דיבר בתוכניתנו מצד שני עם יועז הנדל וספי עובדיה. הטרור הפוליטי החרדי הזה שמאיים על כל מי שאיננו כמותם, שמאיים עליהם אומר שהם רפורמים ואנטי יהודיים ואנטי זה, אסור לבלבל, להתבלבל, מדובר בפוליטיקה נטו, בשליטה, ברצון לכוח, וכל מי שלא חושב כמותם הופך להיות אויב האומה, עיין ערך מה הם עשו לרב עובדיה יוסף. פרסום ראשון, כחודשיים לאחר פתיחת שנת הלימודים, עדיין לא נמצאה מסגרת ל-20 בנות חרדיות מביתר עילית. כך דיווח הבוקר כתבנו אוריה אלקיים. הורי הבנות מגיל שלוש ועד גיל תיכון טוענים לאפליה בדרכי הרישום למוסדות החינוכיים בעיר. ההורים זועמים על שהעירייה שיבצה את בנותיהם כולן ממוצא מזרחי בבתי ספר הנחשבים פחותים. בנוסף, ישנן בנות שלא שובצו על ידי העירייה לשום מסגרת חינוכית אף שבאחריותה לעשות זאת. העירייה בתגובה אין אפליית תלמידים ממוצא מזרחי. ולסיום, דיוויד בלאט יערוך הלילה בכורה כמאמן ראשי ב-NBA כשיפגוש עם קבוצתו קליבלנד את הניו יורק ניקס. לקראת המשחק הוא יתארח בתוכניתנו עושים ספורט עם אלי ישראלי ואפי טריגר. קול יותר גדול, מימדים יותר גדולים, תשומת לב יותר גדול, תוכניות יותר גדולות, הכל יותר בומבסטי וגדול, ובסך הכל זה כיף. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר.
J.M. in the A.M. Ba'afilu. It's Yaeli Klein, of course. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. at 11 minutes after 7 o'clock. Thursday morning broadcast. Tomorrow we'll explore the events of this week with Malcolm Honline. We'll uh, speak with the Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations tomorrow morning about 7.40 here at J.M. in the A.M. Don't forget we have an amazing day on our stream here at jmtheam.org including uh, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink's debut in the slot we call the Stun Show at 1 o'clock this afternoon. He'll be talking about conversion. Yep, he's jumping right in. Talk about Fink or Swim, as he likes to call his blog. Uh, he is jumping right in, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink, today at 1 o'clock with a, a discussion on the conversion process and whether the criticism of the current system is valid. He'll moderate a conversation between Rabbi Maury Kelman, conversion expert and consultant, and Bethany Mandel, convert and columnist. And that'll happen uh, today at 1 o'clock. Right after JM and the AM, Charlie Harari is on with the boardroom. All his segments, including life bits, practical productivity, the corner office management tips, leadership lessons, and in the news with Michael Davis will all be included. And uh, Miriam Alwalek is getting ready for a uh, an edition of uh, That's Life. That's Oh, before we get to Miriam, let me mention that uh, the hour will start with uh, Allison Josephs, Jew in the City Speaks, with the Chief Rabbi of South Africa. He's getting a tremendous amount of attention these days for good reason with the Shabbos Project and his plans for next year. And Mindy Pollack, one of the Jew in the City Orthodox Jewish All-Stars for this year. And then Miriam L. Wallach at 10.30 this morning with another great edition of um, That's Life. And she will speak with David Libor of the Leket Israel Dinner with a dinner update, and Ellie Hagler uh, with Team Yachad. And she will also speak about her brief, she'll have a brief look at her journey into the world of bugs and kale. Now, I know what she means. Uh, I suggest anybody who's ever been critical of the bug-checking system or demands of the bug-checking system in our tradition. I suggest you listen to Miriam Al Wallach at 10.30 this morning on the stream. She'll have a very, very interesting uh, piece of information, or at least an experience that I think you'll find fascinating. Uh, more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
with Soul Farm, Kumi Roni here at JM in the AM. Soul Farm, by the way, is going to be a part of the 7th Annual Sequoia Benefit Concert uh, honoring the Gottliebs uh, and featuring Soul Farm at Jewish Family Service. This is happening on November the 9th at YBH Hillel, 270 Passaic Avenue in Passaic, New Jersey, uh, from the Jewish Family Service and Children's Center of Clifton Passaic. 
Uh, proceeds support a vital lifeline for senior citizens in the Clifton Bisset community called Sequoia. Information online, JFSC, excuse me, JFSClifton.org, JFSClifton.org, or dial 973-777-7638, 973-777-7638. Again, that's November 9th, Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. in Passaic, Soul Farm in concert. They are amazing, and we highly recommend them. JM and the AM on this Thursday broadcast, asking everybody to keep in mind Rabbi Yehuda Glick, who was... Uh, Victim of an assassination attempt last night in Yerushalayim. I mentioned earlier how plenty of people in this world, and certainly in this radio listening audience, are familiar with or know members of the Glick family who uh, lived in the United States and made Aliyah in the 1970s, I believe. Um, Yehuda Yehoshua ben Rivka Ita Brenda. Yehuda Yehoshua ben Rivka Ita Brenda. And your help with that, of course, is greatly appreciated. Traveling Hasidim come to the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island this coming Shabbos. In addition to what they're doing on Shabbos, they are going to provide a free concert Saturday night in the synagogue, open to everybody. Information, you can contact the New Springville Jewish Center at on Staten Island. Uh, they're getting ready for the traveling Hasidim. want to thank our friends at Achiezer for their big invite yesterday and for hosting us and Reliving Superstorm Sandy two years later. Achiezer.org for information about all their efforts. Big hello to Rabbi Bender and Shuli Wolman and everybody working hard out there in the five towns. It was nice uh, visiting Central Avenue yesterday in the five towns. Had a very nice time out there. Uh, Dr. Borgen is going to join us, top of the 8 o'clock hour. October is almost over and it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We wanted to make sure to have a conversation with him on the air. Uh, before the end of this month, so he'll be joining us coming up at 8 o'clock this morning from Maimonides Medical Center. We'll also uh, get an update regarding the FIDF dinner, which is always a big event in this area. That'll happen in the 8 o'clock hour. And Rabbi Eliyahu Fink, who's today part of today's lineup online on our stream at jmam.org, uh, he's going to be speaking about conversions today. Uh, he's, he's jumping right in in his first uh, hosting of our stunt show between 1 and 2 o'clock on Thursdays. And um, we'll speak with him for a few minutes in the eight o'clock hour, as well. Malcolm Holmline tomorrow as we analyze the events of this week. Make sure of uh, this week. Make sure to be tuned in for that. Uh, certainly should be interesting in light of everything that's going on in this crazy world of ours. So that'll happen tomorrow morning at seven forty right here at JM in the AM. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words: Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Hashem causes the wind to blow and the rain to fall. It says in Masech Chagiga, Ba'asara Devarim Nivra Ha'olam. There were ten things that the world was created with. Bechachma, with wisdom. Ubismuna, with understanding. Ubigvura, and with might. The Gemara in Tainus asks, My Gvuras Keshamim. What does it mean, the power of the rains? It is because they come down with strength. The question is, why did Chazal coin the word Gevura when talking about rain and not Gedula, the greatness of the rain? 
we can understand that Gedula is recognized by the fact that it is constant without interruption. For instance, the sun rises and the sun sets. We can set our clock by the sun rising and the sun setting. That's all according to the laws of nature. Everyone will agree that rain does not have a set pattern. At the time when we can understand the sunrise and the sunset, we cannot understand when it will rain, when there will be a storm, even when Khalila there will be a hurricane. Sometimes rain will not fall for many days. Sometimes rain will fall all of the time. Sometimes rain will fall gently. Sometimes rain will fall with much greater strength. This is in order to understand that it is all the might, the power of Hashem Yisbarach. And therefore, we call it Givurois Kishamim, the might of the rains. This is also the reason why this particular phrase is found within Atogi Bar Leolom Hashem. You are mighty forever, Hashem. Because we come to understand the omnipotence and the omnipresence of Hashem in our world. Just like Hashem is Somech Noiflim, lifts up those that have fallen. Mechayim Hashem is the one that will revive the dead in the future. So too, Hashem has caused the rain to fall. The Vilna Goin points out, according to this, we can understand that rain is considered equal to Tchias Amesim, the resurrection of the dead. Why is it considered to be equal to such a great act as the resurrection? Because we understand that just like Tchias Amesim, the resurrection of the dead, everyone will agree that it is not Alpiteva. It is not according to the laws of nature. So too, when the rain will fall and we have any type of weather, including inclement weather, we understand that it is all Gevura. It is the might of Hashem manifesting itself in this world. Our tefillahs go out. We pray for anyone who has been affected by this particular weather. May Hashem Yisbarach help to keep all the families safe and sound. May we be secure and Be'ez Hashem enjoy better days ahead. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. Very appropriate for the show we did yesterday on the second anniversary of uh, Superstorm Sandy, that's for sure. JM and the AM on a Thursday, Rob Astorino wants to be the next governor of New York State, and he is with us live via telephone. Election Day is coming Tuesday. It's quite a uh, a competitive race, to say the least. And um, he is with us this morning here at JM and the M. Thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You have a, uh, a a tremendous history in radio and in sports. Did you have a chance last night to watch any of Game 7, or it's been campaigning day and night? <laughs> you know, I've caught a lot of the games, both... Um, World Series and, uh, you know, NFL games on the radio in the car, which is like the old times, I guess. But I, I got home last night to watch the last two innings. So I was a little upset. I wanted the Royals to win and stuff with, you know, you get a triple with two outs, but Bumgartner's tough. He is tough, all right. And the debate about whether they should have sent them home or not, I'm sure, will go on forever. Yeah, that, I was I was thinking that. But you know what? I think he would have been thrown out by a mile because he was just at third and running out of gas when uh, when the relay 
Yeah. I don't think he would have made it. I have a feeling you're right. Rob Estorino is with us. You know, I remember, you know, there are a lot of government officials who come on this show, and I'm sure a billion other fora, and they, they talk about the, um, the unity between New York City and New York State, how the divide that has been described over the years, over the decades, uh, is not a fact anymore. I remember the days in the 1970s when there were bumper stickers up that said, make New York City the 51st state. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> but, but that's how stark a difference people thought there was. I have to assume in this campaign you are getting the feeling that it's more like that than what others are claiming. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know what I found is that most people around the state want the same kind of thing. You know, they really do want taxes lower because we're the highest tax in America. They want good jobs. Other than the island of Manhattan, which is doing very well, you know, the outer boroughs are still struggling in most neighborhoods. Uh, Upstate is a basket case economically. You know, you look at what the growth was in our state last year, uh, and Andrew Cuomo's going around taking victory laps that are not deserved. You, you look at the growth, it was 0.7%. That is the one of the worst in the, in the United States. And we've got the worst business climate, worst economic outlook. A survey by the AARP that 70% of Long Islanders and 60% of New Yorkers overall, age 50 or above, are likely to leave our state because they can't afford it. That's crazy when you think about those kind of numbers. And we've already had 400,000 leave. So the state is not doing well by any measure, but, you know, I, I think obviously they feel it more upstate. Right. And uh, even in the Hudson Valley and Long Island, things are just like inching forward. Nothing that should be going on, like a boom economically is happening there. So that's why this race has, has become very tight around the state. But, yeah, there is definitely that upstate-downstate divide. I hear that from people you know, in these faraway counties from New York City. And they're just concerned because they feel like all of their tax money goes right down to New York City. Well, there's no question, no matter what the margin is, no matter what the polls say, it, 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 things are closer than anybody would have suspected at this point. Uh, that's for sure. And sometimes I, you know, I'm a New York State resident, so sometimes I resent the, the PR machine that uh, Albany sends out. When, when we see how many companies, as you just alluded to, are leaving New York State, when we are familiar, and you know that our community is very familiar with the, with what's going on in upstate New York. It may be the lower part of upstate New York. New York, but we're very familiar with what's going on, and the and the economic conditions up there are absolutely horrible. Just speak to any right. speak to any of the locals when when any of us travel up, and 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 yet the PR machine is able to paint this picture as if companies are dying to come to New York State and set up shop here, which is just proven to be totally false. I mean, Cuomo's two hundred and fifty million dollar ad campaign called Startup New York. They just took a uh, a pin and pricked the balloon and popped the other day when. He's going around and saying it's the new New York, things are going well, blah, blah, blah. Um, nope. The numbers just came out two days ago. We are ranked 49th in America in business friendliness. As I just mentioned, the economic growth is uh, 0.7 uh, to, to be the bottom of the, uh, of the nation. Uh, you go on and on and on, and nobody's coming to New York. Everyone's leaving New York. I think, the, you know, the only thing that has a busy signal with regard to business is uh, moving vans. <laughs> and that's unfortunate because people want to stay in New York. I want to stay in New York. Nobody likes to say you're an ex-New Yorker, but how many people are moving now in record numbers? You know, we used to go down to Florida for a week, or maybe snowbirds would stay for the winter, but we'd always come home. It's not the case anymore. People are moving there for good. 
Yeah, unbelievable. Rob Astorino is with us. Uh, tell me about your experience up in uh, up in Westchester. I mean, the uh, the you're a Republican Westchester County Executive. Uh, you've been involved in media for quite a while. Um, it, it, we we don't know a lot about what goes on up in Westchester. Do they suffer from the same type of uh, of things you just described as uh, you know New Yorkers and Long Islanders and upstate New Yorkers do? What's going on in that area of the state? Westchester is a million people. It's a two-to-one Democratic county. So when I was running in 09, everyone thought we had no chance whatsoever. The polls had us down by, you know, gazillion points. And and we shocked everybody because we we stuck on a platform of lowering taxes, giving people an opportunity uh, to live in their homes, uh, you know, focusing on the economy. And since then, We've cut county property taxes more than any county in New York State. Our budget is smaller today than what it was in 2010 when I walked in the door. We've got 30,000 new private sector jobs and uh, one of the lowest unemployment rates in New York. And so we're we're doing well. But, you know, I think people said, well, how could you get elected? I got elected in a two-to-one Democratic county with home of the Clintons because I campaigned in areas Republicans traditionally don't. As a result, we got a lot of the minority vote. Uh, we won, and Westchester is the eighth largest Jewish county in America. Right. People don't realize that. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time uh, meeting with Jewish leaders, and um, and we won Jewish communities in Westchester for the first time in, you know, a generation. And I think as we've been campaigning around the 62 counties, you know, I've been meeting with uh, Jewish leaders in Sullivan County and Rockland County and Orange County and in Brooklyn and, and other areas uh, with a very warm reception. You know, I, I traveled to Israel two years ago, not two months before an election, but two years ago, and really got a wonderful understanding <clears throat> of the relationship between America and Israel. And I was in Sterot and just, you know, thinking about and, and talking to families there how they live their lives when when rockets from Gaza are coming into their community every other day, where there's bomb blasts on the elementary school, and yet they still smile, they still, you know, mill about and, and have a productive society in Israel, despite what they're surrounded by in the in the Golan Heights and, and all over. So, you know, I think my relationship uh, with our Jewish leaders in Westchester and now throughout New York is a strong one. And um, and I'm proud of that. The um, I can only imagine how many times you were standing there thinking, you know, if rockets were falling on Westchester, oh, <laughs> what what type of reaction there would be? The whole it's absurd when people when people think that Israel needs to show restraint in that type of situation. Oh, yet please. of course, yet of course, that's I what know. happens. There's no moral equivalency of what uh, the terrorists are doing and what peaceful Israel is trying to do with regard to protecting themselves and. Um, you know, I, I just I can't stand when I hear that stuff and the media trying to play at both sides or favor even uh, the terrorists. And, you know, there is a line and a difference between Palestinians, for instance, who are good, peaceful people and want the same thing for their kids as Israelis do. And nobody should want or probably does want anyone to suffer or innocent people to, to lose their life. But there's a difference between Hamas and uh you know, these terrorist groups who shield, use humans as shields, who bomb hospitals, who uh, terrorize 
there, there's no moral equivalency with that. Rob Astorino is with us live via telephone. What, what's today like? I mean, as things start to wind down, is uh, is today a uh, you know a, a day you're out meeting and greeting? Are you uh, are you uh, collecting endorsements from specific groups or uh, organizations? What is the Thursday before election day like? Busy right now. We're on the Taconic, heading to um, the Kipsey area, Duchess for a big rally. And then we'll be heading down to Playland Ice Casino, where we're officially reopening it after the extensive uh, renovations on that historical building after Hurricane Sandy. And then we'll be in New York City. Uh, and then we start to go on a two-day upstate swing, where it'll be our final trip in all the markets and uh, rallies all over the place. And it's exciting because, uh, you know, what what's happening now around the state is people are rejecting Cuomo in, in huge numbers now. Uh, we're doing very, very well. We're winning in key areas now. And uh, we are going to pull a 94 Pataki uh, against another Cuomo. And, you know, you see what's happening in the nation and the fact that the president and governor of Cuomo are completely bungling our response to Ebola. Uh, but the governor now under federal investigation for corruption, uh, these ads that are on TV, <clears throat> which are indefensible. Even the New York Times has said Cuomo's ads are, are false and misleading. So, like the Democratic um, consultant Hank Shankoff once said, Andrew Cuomo will do anything and say anything, including lie, to get elected. And we've seen that this whole campaign. But people now aren't buying it. They've seen the other side. They realize New York can be a much better state. And uh, that's why they're coming into our column and why we're going to win on Tuesday. Rob Estorino, he's running Tuesday on the Republican line for uh, governor of New York State, and uh, it certainly is turning into a race compared to what some people had predicted. Thanks so much for joining us. I much, uh, I greatly appreciate it, and good luck on Tuesday. Thank you so much. Anytime. Let's do it again. Appreciate that. Rob Estorino, Thursday morning broadcast, JM in the AM, 17 minutes before 8 o'clock. And um, more coming up. Uh, Dr. Patrick Borgen is going to join us from uh, Maimonides Medical Center. October is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. He will join us, talk a little bit about the Cancer Center and some of the things that he has been in charge of and uh, been undertaking over the last few months. Uh, also, our friends at FIDF, they've got a big dinner coming up. Speak about that in the 8 o'clock hour and plenty more. Don't forget, we have... Incredible programming on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. You can comment on the NSN app on the home screen of the NSN app and join the conversation at any point during any show during the entire day. So make sure you install the NSN app, Android or iPhone, and join in with us here at jmtheam and jmtheam.org.
That comes from Shalshelis Thursday morning at 10 minutes before 8 o'clock, 47 degrees, mostly sunny. High temperature of 60. Reminder, the traveling Hasidim come to the new Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island this coming Shabbos. Uh, they'll be doing a whole Shabbos uh, Oneg, etc. Uh, tomorrow night. But Saturday night, don't forget, they'll be doing a free concert open to the entire community. Anybody out there would like to participate, you go to uh, 
the new Springville Jewish Center this coming Saturday night. And, um, and that'll be a free concert at the Shul in Staten Island. Information, you can contact the synagogue. Reminder, a lot of open houses. We'll get to, we'll get to hopefully all of them, uh, between today and tomorrow for, uh, Yeshiva High Schools that are, uh, uh, presenting open houses this coming weekend, including our friends at TABC, whose open house begins at 9.15 this coming Sunday morning in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, Rabbi Adler and, uh, Mr. Poleoff and Ms. Honig will all be greeting everybody. At the TABC open house, so we're reminded to all the parents of the eighth graders out there, the eighth grade boys. You may want to check that out. We have more open house information coming up as uh, many yeshiva high schools and schools in general present their open house programs during this time of year. Well, I mentioned that Dr. Patrick Borgen would join us. He is, uh, he's an amazing doctor. He is, um, the chair of surgery and director of the breast cancer program and associate director of the Maimonides Cancer Center, of course, at Maimonides Medical Center. And uh, he's been with Maimonides since 2006, founder of the breast cancer program, associate director of Maimonides, and was appointed chair of surgery in 2009. He currently serves as chief medical advisor to the Susan G. Komen Foundation of Greater New York, serves as chairman and director of the Miami Breast Cancer Conference, the largest an oldest breast cancer meeting in this country. He's author of more than 300 original articles and three textbooks. Joins us via telephone. Dr. Borgen, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning. It's it's really a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. I remember my most recent visit just touring, uh, thank God, the uh, the cancer center at Maimonides uh uh, a, a state-of-the-art facility. Tell me, tell me if this is a fair evaluation or not. Uh, essentially... Did you want to make sure that this facility would be one where people wouldn't feel the need to go into a Manhattan institution where right in Brooklyn you have everything you need to care for somebody with cancer? Yeah, that's so that's a hundred percent right. You know, before coming out to Brooklyn in two thousand and six, I ran the breast surgery program at Memorial Sloan Kettering, which is a, a great center and a and a beautiful center. But but Brooklyn needed something like that. Um people should not have to go to Manhattan for their care. And so our driving motivation, our passion was uh, world-class care in Brooklyn for Brooklyners, and that's what led to the development of this center. Unbelievable. And I know that this is not exactly our topic, but I'd love to speak with anybody uh, during the month of October associated with the Susan G. Komen Foundation of of Greater New York, they have made such inroads nationally, obviously October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, you're aware of what they do with the NFL, one of the largest institutions in this entire country. How have they gone ahead and progressed to the point where they've made everybody aware of this disease to this level? Right. It's a great point. You know, this is women advocating for women. Uh, they do a much better job than men advocating for men. <laughs> And uh, they have been the squeaky wheels. They have lobbied, they have walked, and they have fought. And, it, and it's paid off. Uh, Susan G. Komen has raised literally billions of dollars to use to fight this, this terrible disease that we all dread. Unbelievable. Well, we talk about the importance, and we try to remind everybody in the audience, obviously, of early detection with any cancer, with any disease. Obviously, if there's a possibility of early detection, that's uh, the best option. It seems that every other area 
of what you're involved with just gets more and more complicated. And, and, and you'll see what I mean. I'm sure you know what I mean, but the audience will see what I mean in a moment. But let's start with that. The early detection, of course, mammograms, etc., still remains the number one line of defense. I'm so happy that you started with that because <laughs> there has been controversy surrounding this. The controversy is based on on bad research. Mammograms save lives. A woman who starts at the age of 40 who gets a mammogram once a year has a more than 40% less chance of dying of this disease. And in fact, when we find a breast cancer on a mammogram that we can't feel, the cure rate is is 97%. So I'm so happy that you started with get a mammogram. It's so important. And the 3D mammogram is now common or it's still, it's it's hard to find a machine like that? Uh, It's, they're, they're not common, but uh, all of the recent research shows that 3D mammograms are better than conventional mammograms. We have uh, Brooklyn's only 3D mammogram at Maimonides. Uh, if you're in Manhattan, if you're in New Jersey, find out if your center has uh, 3D mammograms. It's also known as tomo mammography or tomosynthesis mammography, and it really represents a significant advantage over conventional mammography. Unbelievable. And the 3D's been around for how long? It's been around for for less than 10 years. It's been really popularized in the last five years. And in a nutshell, what it does is it takes a three-dimensional picture of the breast so that you can turn the breast digitally in space and look at it from all angles, and it lets us see things that we don't see on regular mammograms. Unbelievable. Dr. Patrick Borgen is with us, Chair of Surgery and Director of the Breast Cancer Program, Maimonides Medical Center. Spoke about early detection. Now the complicated stuff starts. Maybe not for you, but you know, for, for the average person like myself, because basically the, the, the area of trying to save someone's life when they have breast cancer at this point has become so specialized you have you ha- you and the experts have gone ahead and and uh, created a situation where you're where you're uh, fighting I, I guess divisions and subdivisions of the disease at this point right right that's such a good point um, we used to think of breast cancer as a single disease and that was a big mistake breast cancer is a family of diseases it's a large family of diseases uh, and what we have to do is match the treatment to the disease. I like to say that everybody knows someone who's had breast cancer. And very often the story is, well, it was early, but she didn't do well, or it was late and she did well. And, and people have wondered for years, how can this be? How can there be such a wide right. range of outcomes Good point. with this disease? Well, the answer is we have to identify the sub, you know, the subset, as you said, the family member, and that's the complicated part. Right, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the there there actually is going to be immunity to certain cancers. I mean, in the area of breast cancer, based on uh, uh, what I saw in advance of this conversation, it seems that that's actually advancing. That there's a uh, that there's some hope down the road in that area. Right. We we have always believed that if we could turn our own immune systems against our cancers that it would be an enormous weapon and so for the first time in the last two years we've identified some vaccines against very specific types of breast cancer where a woman's own immune system tackles her cancer 
and the results are staggering, absolutely staggering. What does that tell us about cancer in general, all the other types aside from breast cancer? Will, we, will there be you know, vaccinations that can be applied to other areas? Yeah, I, the answer is yes. I think that breast cancer is five to ten years ahead of most other solid tumors, and again, that goes back to uh, your, your female listeners who have fought, <laughs> right. fought this fight. But the answer is yes. And, and when we think about vaccines, we're using them now on trials for treatment rather than for prevention. And so uh, what we're seeing is patients who really a few years ago would have passed away in a few months uh, are living four, five, six years now. It's, it's really amazing. Unbelievable. Dr. Patrick Borgen is with us. All right, Dr. Borgen, you know what the big topic is for this audience. Uh, I don't know what you encountered when you were in Manhattan, but I'm sure now that you're in Brooklyn, you have met a, 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 even a much larger uh, membership of our community, and there yes. seems to be, there seems to be in a, 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 some type of, uh, of situation, we've discussed this before, uh, where Eastern European Jewish families, in fact, have a an association or a greater association with the possibility of getting breast cancer. Why is this, and what progress have we made in this specific area? Right. Um, you're 100% right. So in the late 90s, uh, the lab that I ran at Memorial discovered uh, a mutation in a gene called BRCA2 that was completely unique to the Eastern European Jewish population. And uh, there are similar mutations on, on BRCA1, the companion gene. So these two genes are very, very prevalent in the Ashkenazi population. In fact, one in 50 Ashkenazi women with no history of anything, no breast cancer history, is, is, is walking around carrying these genes. And a woman who carries the gene has about a 70% chance of getting breast cancer and about a 30% chance of getting ovarian cancer. So we've been doing a lot of public outreach and and trying to just work with the community that I live in now uh, to try to raise awareness of the importance of this. And now that you're associated with so many highly targeted therapies, you know, literally, you know, aiming at the specific type of cancer, is there more hope because a specific community, you know, has this one gene because there's highly targeted therapies? Is there, you know, more advancement in that area because you get to work with a, you know, with one specific group and knowing that that one specific gene is what's causing all this? Uh, absolutely, yes. Both of these genes are very attractive targets for therapy. And so uh, billions of dollars are being spent on how to really focus like a guided missile our therapies in the subset. So while the incidence in the, in the Ashkenazi population is high, the opportunity is also high. Yeah, that was my point, and it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we, we talk about the bad news, so to speak, that, right. you know, that, that, that population could suffer more, God forbid, but then you talk about the good news that there's more of a chance of actually solving the problem. Right. We've really been working with, with, with a lot of the rabbinical leaders, um, in Brooklyn who, who, their medical knowledge is astounding. I mean, I'd like to hire these guys on my staff, <laughs> uh, because their, their level of understanding is so profound, and we've really been working with them to try to remove any stigmata 
that may be associated with with testing for these genes. Well, uh, what would you say has been, I don't know, over the last year or so, the most recent innovation at the cancer center in general? I can imagine that things are always developing, and obviously, you know, there's always new research and things that you're implementing based on that research. Anything over the last few months that we should know about? We we have about 20 drug trials that are open uh, at the Maimonides Breast Center, and there are a couple of agents, uh, drugs, that in subsets of patients are so remarkable. We're seeing cure rates that we've never seen before. We're also doing something called genomic profiling, where we're looking at genes in cancers. And what we've learned is that over half of the women who got chemo in the past probably didn't need it. We probably could have treated them in other ways. And so we've seen a reduction in extensive surgery. We've seen a reduction in chemotherapy with cure rates going up. And so it's it's very exciting. And any therapy, any chemo or otherwise that would be available, you know, again, anywhere at the top hospitals in the country, you match that. Nobody has, nobody has to leave your neighborhood. They can come on a regular basis if, God forbid, they need it. And that, that's really true. We've, we've recruited a, a remarkable team. I think that breast cancer used to be about the expert... I think it's now about the team. It's so complicated that you want a surgeon and an oncologist and a radiation oncologist and so on and so on so that you have doctors looking at your particular case from all angles. We present every single patient's story to a board every week. And so a patient's getting a team opinion uh, when we see them, and I think that's really unique. Unbelievable. All right. Uh, obviously, if anyone needs information, they could simply search for the Maimonides Cancer Center, and they'll they'll get all the info they need, right? Yeah, I hope I hope that we never need to see you know your listeners. Yeah. But we are there if if they need us. No question about that. And by the way, on a practical level, I'm so curious because you know you know how the media is. <laughs> the curiosities like this, we we know that. Uh, uh, that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and there's been obviously a, a heightened level of awareness because of it. But but aside from seeing athletes wearing pink, do, do you see a a change in attitude where you are over this month? Do you see uh, a, a, a a a I don't know either more awareness or more questions from people in the community because it's October? We definitely do. I I'm sort of tired of pink. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, there, there's a there's a phenomenon out there called pink washing where companies will paint their product pink to try to help the sales and I, I think that's pretty despicable. But the fact is is that we do see an increase in mammography. Um, what kills us are, are are bad news stories. If if, right. if the New York Times publishes an erroneous article about mammography, then it sets back. Uh, mammography usage for years. And, and all so, the international news outlets picked it up. Yeah, a little bit of bad press yeah. is, is really harmful. And, um, you know, mammograms aren't fun. They're not comfortable. And if a woman is on the fence about having a mammogram and she reads in the New York Times that that it may not be helpful, she's not going to get a mammogram. Right. And then our chance at early detection and, and kinder, gentler treatments kind of is lost understood yeah. uh it is always a delight to speak with you continue your amazing you. uh life-saving so work. happy that you had me on i really appreciate it so much i appreciate i knew we'd do it before the end of october <laughs> and, we, and we got it in thank god thank you so much Nakam. be well dr borgen there he is dr patrick borgen one of the nicest people you ever want to meet he's chair of surgery director of the breast cancer program at Monides medical center and of course 
Uh, we did want to make sure we spoke to him before the end of October. It was good we had him at the end of October. We got to ask him that question about, you know, whether people, in fact, were asking more questions and bringing uh, stuff to his attention over the last four weeks. We got to see the effect uh, that their incredible campaign has had here in the United States and beyond. Uh, my thanks to Dr. Borg. And more coming up. This is JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmintheam.org.
Jam in the AM with Eitan Katz. Quite a selection. Lee Olam. Thursday morning broadcast on this 30th of October, 6th of Marcheshvan. Continue to pray for the uh, speedy recovery of Rabbi Yehuda Glick, uh, who um, was victim of an assassination attempt in Yerushalayim yesterday at the Begin Museum. A place where I would bet thousands of our listeners walked by uh, probably thousands of times over the last few weeks, right there in the heart of Jerusalem. Apparently his assailant was gunned down by Israeli police. That's the uh, That seems to be the report, at least that we're seeing from a couple of sources. His attempted assassin, I should say, right. And... Um, if we have any update, obviously we'll pass it along to you here at JM in the AM. Uh, coming up later on, jmtheam.org all day long with our incredible stream. Don't forget that at nine o'clock this morning it'll be Charlie Harari who, uh, who joins us with the boardroom. That happens right after JM in the AM this morning. All his regular segments will be included on the boardroom with Charlie Harari. Miriam Al Wallach with That's Life. Excuse me, I keep making that mistake. It's first. Uh, Allison Josephs with Jew in the City Speaks coming up at 10 o'clock. She'll have the Chief Rabbi of South Africa. More information about the Shabbos Project and his plans for next year. And Mindy Pollack, Jew in the City Orthodox Jewish All-Star, first Hasidic woman to be elected and hold a public office. That'll be between 10 and 10.30. 10.30 for That's Life. That'll be Miriam L. Wallach, who uh, is going to feature uh, Ellie Hagler with Team Yacha, David Libor, chairman of the Leket Israel Dinner, and a, a very intriguing topic, a brief look at Miriam L. Wallach's journey into the world of bugs and kale. I'm familiar with this episode. Tune in. If you've ever wondered, are there really bugs on vegetables? Tune in, 10.30 today on our stream at jmandtheam.org. I'll host a live lunch. Rabbi Aliyah Fink's going to be doing the stunt show today on the topic of conversion. We'll speak with him for a few minutes coming up later on. He'll join us from L.A. Uh, before the end of this hour here at JM in the AM. Should be interesting. Or I think a very outspoken uh, rabbi. Um, social media is a natural for him. And for him to tackle a topic like this, which is, of course, such a hot topic in the news right now, should be very interesting. Uh, Camp Masara's Nala Israel program has a um, parlor meeting at the Spurgell family, Oxford Boulevard in Great Neck. That happens tonight. Uh, you can contact com for information on that. Uh, we mentioned the open houses. There are a bunch of open houses that are going on this weekend. Um, where are we here? Here we go. A bunch of open houses this weekend. We mentioned TABC. Uh, they'll be doing the open houses coming Sunday in Teaneck, New Jersey. Starting at 9.15. The program begins at 10. Sorry about that. Program begins at 10. Yeshiva University High School for Girls this Sunday. Uh, Central has their open house beginning at 9.30 in Holliswood. And DRS Yeshiva High School, which we spoke about yesterday when we were out on Long Island. Uh, they'll be uh, registering at 1 o'clock with the program at 1.30 in Woodmere. That's this coming Sunday at DRS Yeshiva High School for Boys. There are other uh, open houses coming up. As we approach them, we will try to get to all of them here at JM in the AM. 
Woodmere Fire Department has Fire Prevention Day 2014 this Sunday, starting at 12 noon at the Woodmere Fire Department headquarters on Irving Place. All the kids are welcome for fire truck rides, live demonstrations, food prizes, and more. The New York City Marathon is this coming Sunday, which means that our friend Peter Burkowski again reminds us that for the 31st annual time at the Fort Wadsworth staging area in Staten Island, uh, there will be a minion for all the runners. The minion is uh, managed by J Runners with assistance by the New York Road Runners Club. There'll be three minionims, 7.15, 8.15, and 9.15. I can't believe it. They're up to three minionim already for the New York City Marathon. There should be about 200 people participating from around the country in six continents. They will transport Tfilin, Talesim, Sidurim to a secure place near the finish line. The minion is dedicated to the memory of Irving Schachter, who suffered fatal injuries when struck by a bicycle while he was training for the marathon. In Central Park last August, his daughter Amanda will be running the marathon this year in his memory. And she is expected to come and join in at one of the Minions um, this coming Sunday. So Peter Burkowski says, hey, come on down and daven before the marathon. That is an amazing service. I can't believe it's over 30 years that they're doing it already. And... Um, Oh, I didn't realize. Breweria High School has their open house this coming Sunday as well. Breweria High School has their open house this coming Sunday in Elizabeth, New Jersey. They'll begin at 9.30 in the morning. 9.30 in the morning for the Breweria open house. So check that out. Manhattan Day School has their early childhood open house November the 4th. That will be Tuesday night at 7.30. So check that out. Election Day, 7.30 p.m. for Manhattan Day School. And I wanted to mention that Mothers of Multiples, they have their next support group meeting coming up with Nishay Cares and Maimonides Medical Center on Tuesday. Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on the subject of sibling rivalry. Must it happen? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, this coming Tuesday at 8 p.m., sibling rivalry. Must it happen? Mothers of Multiples support group is a um, group that we are uh, great advocates of. And Rosa Roberts Weinberg will be the speaker. 8 p.m. is coming Tuesday at Maimonides Hall, 950 49th Street between 9th and 10th Avenues in Brooklyn. Information, you want to speak to Mati Atlas. It's Mati, M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com. M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com. They serve a light dinner. There's a gift for all attendees. There's free parking. The speaker is Rosa Roberts Weinberg, Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on Sibling Rivalry. The Mothers of Multiples support group continues to be a great resource. If you're a mother of multiples, get in touch with them and enjoy. 18 minutes after 8 o'clock, it's JM in the AM, and this comes from Moshe Hecht. Oh, uh-huh. 
in the AM, a CD entitled Yiddish Nachas, done by uh, Yossi Green. That's Adaraba. Thursday morning broadcast. We are, um, we're expecting Rabbi Fink to call in from LA. He's going to be doing that stunt show uh, today at one o'clock on the topic of conversion for us at jmnam.org. Hopefully he'll join us at some point in the next few minutes. Also, um, uh, Michael Fragan is opening up the phone lines tonight in our New York City studio. He'll be on our stream 6 p.m. Eastern time on any topic, anything you have to say about politics on spin class. He'll be doing that tonight between six and seven. We encourage your participation. Try to tune in and uh, ask away. A uh, rare opportunity to get um, to get the the <laughs> the to have the fun that I have when Michael Fragan is uh, on with me, just peppering him with questions and talking about my favorite spectator sport, which of course is politics. I um, I want to uh, I want how do I put this? Well, we'll congratulate the San Francisco Giant fans in our audience. At the same time, as I've explained in the past, we have some people very close to us who are big Kansas City Royal fans. So what can I say? It was a great season, and uh, boy, did you guys come close. Unbelievable. Thursday morning at JM and the AM, the Friends of the IDF New Jersey chapter. Friends of the IDF is an amazing organization. They have an incredible chapter in New Jersey, and they have their 10th annual tribute dinner next Saturday night. It all starts at 7.30 at the Hilton Meadowlands Hotel in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They'll always, as, as they always do, they'll pay tribute to the uh, lone soldiers. If you know of any current or former lone soldiers in this area, they want to know about it. FIDF is taking your reservations, FIDF.org slash NJGala, FIDF.org slash NJGala. You can call the general number in New York, even about their New Jersey dinner at 212 244 Three one one eight two one two two four four three one one eight. The director of New Jersey and the tri-state region for the Friends of the IDF is Howard Gassis. He is in our studio this morning at JM and the AM. Shalom. How are you, sir? Oh, uh, Nachum, great, and uh, we're doing real well. And the FIDF is doing well, thanks to all the the people out there and to your listeners. And Nachum, I want to personally thank you and your staff and your show for all the support you've given us the last many, many years, certainly for New Jersey the last 10 years. Well, I, I appreciate that. thrilled to be here. I appreciate that. It's one of the most incredible causes, and it is one of the most amazing dinners. Now, most people in the community <laughs> do not use the word amazing and dinner in the same sentence. <laughs> but this one is remarkable. And I'm told that the that the even larger ones, New York, L.A., are, are even more remarkable. But you you go to this New Jersey dinner, and you basically hear almost everybody in the room explain as they're pledging why they want to support the Friends of the IDF, and it's so heartwarming. It's just incredible. So we look forward to being there. We're going to try to be there, and I hope our audience responds and comes and fills the place. And it's for a wonderful cause. Oh yeah. I mean, it's for the welfare of the soldiers. We are a fundraising organization, and yep. I don't deny that. Yeah. And I'm very proud of that. And a very good one. <laughs> and we we were established about 33 years ago by Holocaust survivors and have since committed ourselves to providing for the education and well-being of the soldiers of the IDF, and that's what we do. And you'll hear soldiers, including lone soldiers, giving stories about what they've done, most recently in Operation Protective Edge. Right. You will hear from 
Admiral Eliezer Maroum, who's the former commander-in-chief of the Israeli Navy. and He's your keynote. He's our keynote and other assorted stories. We have surprises, and it's all for the soldiers. The FID, the friends of the FIDF essentially, uh, uh, or I should say friends of the IDF, FIDF, right? Uh, essentially, they're they're doing whatever they can to help the welfare of the soldiers, the lone soldiers specifically. It could be celebrations in Israel, it could be time off, it could be parties, it could be funds they need for for housing, for for necessities, for anything that they may need. Uh, you guys want to provide? Let, let for me them. give you an example. Sure. We and we're in touch. We're the official fundraising organization of the IDF. We're right. in touch with them on a regular basis, a daily basis. And now, since Operation Protect the Veg, we've been asked to fund an additional 1,800 flights for the lone soldiers to come and visit their families. That's what happened holiday time, right? We do it. They have to obviously get permission from their commanders. We fund, we're the organization that funds their flights on a regular basis. They're allowed one flight to see their families during their term of service. However, now those, and there's approximately 1,800 that served in Operation Protective Edge, and we're in the process now of flying them to see their families. I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners know, but for those that do not know, a lone soldier is a soldier that's in the Israeli army, has no family. So we provide a whole array of services. Right, has no family in Israel. Right, no family in Israel. I mean, there there are a lot of people in this audience who have kids who are lone soldiers in Israel, which is pretty remarkable. And we're spent, we're Paying a special tribute to them. So if if they have not already right. given us their names, it's probably not too late if they would call our number, our special number for New Jersey at 646-274-9646, ask mm. for Ariel, and we would like to have a photograph of them, and even if the parents are available in the New Jersey, New York area to join with us and have a photograph taken with these, the pictures of the lone soldiers, because we're known as a lone soldier state in FIDF because we were founded 10 years ago by three former lone soldiers right. who will also be honored uh, on November 8th. Howard Gasses is here, friends of the Israel Defense Forces, at dinner on the 8th of November in New Jersey. Uh, phone number in the office, 646-274-9650, right? That would be accurate? That's my number, yeah. The reservation number I just said was just change the four last digits, 9646, and ask for Ariel. All right. And we'll give you special treatment if you mentioned you heard us on the show. <laughs> 646-274-9646 to make sure that the lone soldier that you know is going to be uh, recognized on the night of the 8th of uh, November. Now, you just mentioned, and uh, with everything that the FIDF has been doing, and it's been an amazing run, and they raise a tremendous amount of money and do a lot of great things for the soldiers, and it's much appreciated. And the publicity that that there was around Rosh Hashanah time when the when you were doing these flights, you know, for the, especially for the holiday season, was just wonderful. Mm-hmm. Again, great heartwarming stories, and people who participated, I'm sure, were glad they were able to help fund it. But then, But the war this summer... The war this summer, where we we met through the media more lone soldiers, and some of them unfortunately lost their lives, and and we started realizing that the reason these operations are going to include more lone soldiers is because the percentage of lone soldiers in the Israeli army is probably larger than ever. Certainly, mm-hmm. certainly in the most recent era, right. larger than ever, and we see so many young men and women, especially from the U.S going to Israel to serve, and the number just keeps going up. So we w- one lesson we learned from this summer, the demands on FIDF are only going to get larger and larger. Correct. Correct. And, and for example, in that operation, we, were at, we provided about 55,000 
packets right. of whether it be food packages, undergarment items, various items that the IDF asked for directly. But you're so right. And I didn't understand this phenomenon until I came to FIDF. I, I thought a lone soldier was a soldier who had no family in Israel right. and made Aliyah. But that's not necessarily the case. There are people, and I call them heroes, and when I say this to the soldiers, they look at me like I'm, I'm not I a know, hero. I love and that. I, I'm saying, you know, you're a hero. <laughs> and they said to me, you know, there are people that go there. I There's a family in Inglewood, New Jersey now, that to, uh, I mean, Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Yeah. Their son went. He has no ten, intent to live there other than to serve the three years as a lone soldier and then come back. But this is what they want to do. It's phenomenal to me. I mean, I, if I was thinking of my children, I love them dearly. That was not what they were thinking about when they were 18 years of age. Right. And uh, we pay tribute to them, and they're our heroes, and uh, we do a lot of things for them, and they deserve it. So the need is only going to get greater. Uh, there are going to be more and more lone soldiers, thank God, who who do such a who, who serve as such amazing role models for Jewish children around the world, and obviously. How many of them are from New Jersey, right? This area Correct. has so many of the lone right. soldiers. Incredible. We got to acknowledge Major General Yitzchak Gershon. He's been a great guest of ours. He served this organization so well. Nothing against his replacement, right? But he had an amazing tough tenure. Shoes to fill. Very tough shoes to fill. I don't. I don't know Major General Mayor Cliffy Amir. I don't know him. But I'm assuming that uh, he's a wonderful man. He's going to take us to the next level, and he'll be at our dinner, as well as General Garson, as well as our new CEO, uh, Alan Schofield. It'll be just a uh, wonderful, wonderful evening. All right. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that night. Um, as you said, the lone soldiers will be the target of your honor and tribute mm, correct. that evening. Everyone thinks that you have to have a specific honoree or family or person. No, no, no. In this case, we We're simply, honoring the soldiers. Right, we simply get together to pay tribute to the soldiers. Information about all of this, you can go to the website, FIDF.org slash NJGala. That's FIDF.org slash NJGala or dial 646-274-9646, 646-274-9646. Ninety-six forty-six. If you are a family member of a lone soldier and you think they might not be aware at FIDF uh, for the tribute that uh, that your child or brother or sister, whoever it is, you know, should be included, call that number and let them know, and they'll double check it for you. And obviously, if they're not included, they'll get them in there immediately. And we encourage everybody to make those reservations and participate on the eighth of November. And you and I, uh, off the air, said to each other, "There's a lot of conflicts. People have a lot of different events that night." We know there are a lot of dinners coming up. If you can set aside the time to be at this one, I guarantee you, you will be inspired and you'll walk away very happy you were there. And if for whatever reason you cannot be there, but you would like to donate and designate the money to the Lone Soldier program, you can do that through the FIDF and support the Lone Soldier. By the way, one of the best things about the night is you actually show a video describing the work that's being done in Israel for the Lone Soldiers. Is that something people could see on the website? If they go to your website and they get a taste After of what the you dinner, guys are doing? yes, you'll be able to see that as oh, well. Oh, that'll actually be posted. And we have a video on Protective Edge. And, again, these soldiers that happen to be with us on that evening will have already had served in right. the Operation Protective Edge. You've had some incredible surprises at these dinners in the past. We're always open. We're always looking I for surprises. I think there was even... But it'll be a surprise. Wasn't there... Am I right or wrong? There was a proposal one year. 
I think that I think a soldier proposed. There was one, and don't quote me from one think. air, but I believe recently and might have been as close as a, this year in Miami. Oh, there it was, was Miami. I think it was dinner. Miami. Yes. Okay, where a soldier literally uh, proposed to another soldier. Correct. Right? Unbelievable, <laughs> incredible. Uh, but you never know. You never know because you always uh, usually the soldier or soldiers that you designate to get up and speak usually have some type of surprise angle. To their story, we're so. uh, we're always looking for different angles, <laughs> so the, to make it, as much as last year's dinner was special, this will be even more special. So. All right, there you go. Howard Gassis is director of the New Jersey Tri-State Region Friends of the IDF. Dinner is the eighth of November. It is always a very special night. By the way, one other thing, I keep thinking of things I want to bring up about this dinner. I don't know, and maybe this is unfair to some of our friends who who also have amazing outreach across the board. But I this is one of those dinners where you will be at tables with people who are, you know, mildly associated with the Jewish community, who are big supporters of the Israel Defense Forces, all the way to people who are literally Hasidic Jews. I have sat next to Hasidic Jews at the FIDF dinner, as I told you off the air because they had family members who are members of the Israeli army. And it is an incredible feeling to see these rabbis, lay leaders, people of all stripes in the Jewish community get together for this one cause. So if you enjoy that type of thing. And you'll be amongst soldiers and former lone soldiers, because our goal this year is to put at least a former lone soldier at every table so you can converse with them and really learn from them what they went through. Good idea. You guys are thinking, I we see. We try. <laughs> Once in a while. Howard, I thank you. It thank should be, you. It should be a great success, and I hope that our audience responds. If people can't make it, I hope they uh, support the cause. It's always amazing. Dinner and cocktails, Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. on November the 8th at the Hilton Meadowlands Hotel, as Friends of the IDF New Jersey chapter pays tribute to all the soldiers in their 10th annual tribute dinner. Information, go to uh, FIDF. Uh, dot org slash nj gala that's fidf dot org slash nj gala or dial six four six two seven four nine six four six at six four six two seven four nine six four six Howard thank you so much for joining my us. pleasure thank you Nachum hope to see you there Bezrat Hashem more coming up this is J M in the A M <laughs>
שופר וכל תופים, כל שנבקש לו יהי. לו תשמע בתוך כל אלה, גם תפילה אחת מפי, כל שנבקש לו יהי. Dedicated to the uh, members of the uh, IDF that will be recognized as uh, lone soldiers November the 8th by the FIDF, uh, recognized for their work as lone soldiers in that special tribute dinner. We encourage everybody to be there. It's always a very inspiring night. 14 minutes before 9 o'clock. It's Thursday at JM in the AM. 47 degrees, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 60. Amazing day on our stream all day long at jmnam.org. Make sure to be tuned in for all the incredible programming. Charlie Harari with The Boardroom is coming up between 9 and 10 this morning here at jmtheam.org, right after JM and the AM. I want to thank those who are commenting on our app. The NSN app gives you an amazing opportunity to comment. And one listener tells us that Simcha Liner is going to be in concert, and this is happening in Passaic, New Jersey, this coming Saturday night to benefit the RCCS. It's happening at the Metzger home on Ridge Avenue starting at 8.30. The concert begins... At 9.30, uh, information, you can uh, contact RCCS. They have the event again this coming Saturday night in uh, Passaic, New Jersey. Speaking of Simcha Liner, here he is at JM in the AM. Let's go. 
Liner. Mimi is the name of that one. Incredible day on our stream at jmnam.org. Rabbi Elio Fink has his debut presentation on what we call the Nachum Siegel Network. One o'clock today, he's going to be doing the stunt show. And speaking of Fink or Swim, he's jumping right in. <laughs> he's jumping right in on the topic of conversion. Rabbi Eliyahu Fink from the uh, state of California. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Nachum. Thanks for having me. Very much enjoyed your uh, visit when you were here last time. Me too. I don't want it to end. Oh, how nice. Very sweet of you. I appreciate that. So here you are. You're uh, essentially doing your first show with uh, people will be able to hear at jmnam.org and I'm sure you thought long and hard what the topic should be, and uh, you said, "Hey, why not? Why not go for something that's in the news and in the news in a very prominent way these days? The topic of conversion in the Jewish community." So, sure enough, you're tackling that topic today, right? Right. So it's not quite the way that you described it. But I was I was hoping for something to be worthwhile of our time for discussion. You know, I want to have a show that is similar to what I try to do online, and that is to invite people from different perspectives to participate in discussions and show different ideas from their own side of the, of the issues. And uh, you, you need something that's, that's current, and you need something that's uh, going to ignite people's passions. And um, it's, not, it's not good for us that, that, that this came into the news, but it is good for us that we've, be able to, we've been able to create a conversation about... Yeah, and the way it came into the news, right. That's what I mean. You know, we, right. we don't we don't celebrate that at all. But right. when things do come into the news and we have the opportunity for discussion, I think it's something that we should definitely take advantage. By of. By the way, my approach sounds much more sensationalistic, so you may you may want to go with mine. <laughs> well, maybe we can add a third guest. <laughs> Ooh, very nice. Now, I'm just saying that we're tackling the topic of conversion. It sounds uh, sounds a lot more dramatic. Raulio Fink is with us today at one o'clock Eastern time. We'll be on the stream at jmnam.org. So, what guests have you lined up to uh, explore this topic? Okay, that's a fair question. So we have um, an expert. I wanted an expert in conversion because as a, as a rabbi of a, of a local community shul, I definitely deal with a lot of potential converts, but my react, my interaction with them ends at a certain point. Really, it ends with my recommendation to them to the basin, to the conversion process. So I don't really know what happens after that intimately. I only hear from them updates or just that they've been, been involved with them. So I want you to invite somebody to describe that part of the process. So for that, we have a, a rabbi named Rabbi Maury Kelman, who has done conversions and now is uh, officially somebody who assists people through the process and teaches potential converts. Oh, we had Rabbi Kelman on. He actually led a trip to Israel for people As who were... I was about to finish, right. exactly. Right. And he is a veteran of the Nakam Siegel Network right. now, um, having done that trip as you just described. Right. So uh, we're excited to have him and bring him back onto the network. Um, and alongside him, we're going to have Bethany Mandel, who wrote a very um, interesting, I think, eye-opening article that described some of the things that she felt were necessary to be a little bit different in the, in the conversion process. She is a veteran of the convert system as well, having gone through it herself. And um, we're going to discuss whether some of those criticisms are valid or unique to her situation or are more universal. And hopefully we will be able to um, hear, the, hear, hear, the, hear the ideas presented from the, from the perspectives of the uh, convert and the converter. Um, and hopefully, 
we'll, uh, we'll set some new light on the issues so that people can feel more comfortable understanding exactly what's happening. Phenomenal. This was our vision when we expanded our programming the way we did to be able to set aside a good amount of time to simply go through issues like this and other things. And it's great that you're doing this and you've put together a great panel for it. And you, you might even add to that panel if the things develop between now and 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's exactly correct. These are ever-changing stories, and if um, if something does happen that changes, or if somebody that I've reached out to does re- does respond and is interested in joining the program, then it may become even more interesting. All right. How do people follow you on Facebook and all that? Tell everybody. Yeah, you just Google me, Eliyahu Fink, but uh, Finkerswim.com is the website, and pretty much everything there is there. You have links to the places that I've written and to the places that you can find me on a regular basis. Things come today in uh, L.A.? How, how would you describe things out there? Well, you know, the Dodgers fans aren't too happy that the Giants have won. <laughs> Other than that, everything is back to normal. That'll, that'll, to now. that'll be a big concern when you walk into Shachers, huh? <laughs> it will be. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, good luck today, and thank you for doing this and for joining us, and we look forward to more dialogue with you. It's much appreciated. It's an honor to be part of the, for part of the network, and thank you for having me this morning. Hi, thank you, Rabbi Eliyahu Fink. Uh, check him out, folks. Fink or Swim, very, very well known in the community, especially because of his uh, use for, of social media for uh, really uh, important and uh, responsible discussion. Um, you may not always agree with everything he has to say, but uh, and he welcomes that, by the way. You don't agree with something if it's a, you know, if it's presented to him in a, in a respectful manner, believe you me, I'll take it very seriously. Uh, wrapping things up on a, uh, what is today, Thursday morning, tomorrow... It'll be Malcolm Holmline. Check out the weekly update. Happens tomorrow at about uh, 7.40 in the morning. Go through some of the events of this week and what's happening in this crazy world of ours. Continue to pray for Abba Yehuda Glick, who was the victim of a, an attempted assassination last night in Yerushalayim, right by the Begin Museum, a place that thousands of our listeners have been at even very recently, no doubt, with the uh, Sukkot holiday. Um, so continue your prayers on his behalf. We pray for his speedy recovery. Wrapping things up on a Thursday morning with a Y studs at JM in the AM. <laughs>
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. Hey, Amari Stoudemire had 12 points last night for the Knicks. That's good news for our friends at Hatzalah Israel. All right. He's uh, leading that campaign of uh, money to Hatzalah Israel based on his points. Excellent. Great day on the stream at jmnam.org. Charlie Harari coming up next. Allison Josephs will be on with Jew in the City Speaks. Then Miriam L. Wallach, and that's life. Rabbi Aliyahu Fink at 1 o'clock on the topic of conversion. Should be very interesting. That show... We'll be done live, so make sure to be tuned in. And 6 p.m. tonight, Michael Fragan on the stream, taking your phone calls on any question regarding the world of politics. Should be very interesting. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.